You are listening to the Archery Maniacs Podcast. This is Remy Warren. I am Rihanna Carey. My name is Adam Foss. This is Paul Tedford, professional archer. Hey everyone, I'm Christy Titus, and you are listening to Archery Maniacs. We cover everything archery, from the hunting side to the tournament side, with stories, tips and tactics, gear reviews, and more. That helped my tuning game so much when I made sure that all my arrows were square. And I'm just staring into his eyes. Blood's dripping off of its tines. Mud is everywhere. The clarity these mavens offer is amazing. I'm just like Spider-Man, you know, on this rock. You know, just <laughs> laying there. Belly crawling in there, and I can barely fit in there, and I can hear the cat growling at me. So I put my hand on his shoulder and pushed him, and we just ran at this elephant. All right, here we go. Here we, here we are, Full Draw Fitness, Stephen and Courtney, Elevation Fitness Training. It's been a little bit. It's been a little bit. Yeah, we we got the September vibe going and went and went and went and then we crashed hard. <laughs> <laughs> but here we are back. That's right. What are we going to talk about today? <clears throat> we are going to recap our archery elk hunting, both in Idaho and in Oregon. Okay. Sounds like a winner. We did a lot of hunting. Though, I'll be totally honest, um, when I was writing down just a couple things for the podcast, I wrote, recap Idaho hunting season, and then the page is just completely blank under <laughs> there's that. There's two, four, six, eight, nine. Blank lines. Yeah. So we'll fill those in as we go. <laughs> so I hope everybody had a, a great hunting season. It looks like people did. Man. A pretty good job this season. Yeah. I mean, people were cleaning up, filling the freezer. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, lots of our clients and friends and all kinds of people were getting the job done. Unfortunately, we haven't punched an elk tag yet. But uh, yeah, should we dive into that? We should dive. Let's right start with into Idaho. It. Let's okay. start with Idaho because we went there first. We did. Um, Idaho was epic. It was great. It was a lot of fun. It was hard work. Um, I think it was pretty much everything we thought it would be and then some more. Yeah. 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 You know, I think that uh, we had certain expectations going into it. We thought we would be in a target rich environment, which we were. We were. You know, we were. Um, we we planned on setting up a base camp and then bivvying out from there, which we did. You know, it was great. We found a decent trail to go back a little over two miles, and that's all the further we needed to go. You know, the one thing that um, I remember not only hearing, but sharing with each other was, don't hunt past the elk, right? Well, oh, yeah. two miles back, there were elk. Yeah. So that's where we decided to set up. So why don't you walk us through, you know... We took the, the first full day after we got there. We got there on a um, two days before season, and we used that second day. We used the first day to set up and just kind of get get our bearings. Um, we used that second day to scout. Don't you take us through? I think I want to go back a little bit farther. Yeah? Okay. Could, like the conception of us even going to Idaho this year. Okay, perfect. Because we were really on the fence with it, and this is both of our first out-of-state hunt Yep. Um, for a big game. And... You know, at first, the idea of picking up and going somewhere new for me and for you also was pretty scary. Like, I haven't even put boots on the ground over there. I don't, you know, know anything about the area. I've never seen the terrain. I don't, you know, all you can get is, you know, a certain amount of data 
you know, online, which is a great resource or by talking to, um, you know, fish and wildlife biologists, which is, which is great, but there's something to be said about not being able to physically be there to check things out or to have that firsthand experience, you know? So then you're pulling the trigger on this tag. Um, and there was a, there was a lot of buildup, you know, and anticipation and excitement and a little bit of nervousness, you know, un, uneasiness with, where the hell are we going? You know, what are we getting <laughs> ourselves into? Yeah. Um, but I think, you know, using the resources with the Idaho fishing game, um, you know, and just doing a lot of Onyx maps, figuring out, you know, the areas you want to be that have all the right features and hopefully have all the elk, you know, and, and, um, you know, hunting Idaho where there's a high concentration of wolves too, you really have to kind of do some research into if that area is known to have, you know, a good wolf population, because obviously that'll affect all of the other animals in the area. <clears throat> what a variable, but Jeez. yeah. So we kind of, you know, we did our homework and, um, you know, it wasn't just like it was easy to, to pull the trigger. And I think a lot of people are probably in that same boat. Like the idea of hunting somewhere, especially from, you know, an Oregonian born and raised here my whole entire life. I've only ever hunted in Oregon, you know, and we don't have the greatest numbers. We have a lot of hunters. Yeah. Um, we have a lot of public land, which is great. But at the same time, we don't have the same numbers that these other states do. Um, so it was nice to be able to, to, to go and do that. But yeah, I guess kind of like then inching forward, you know, you're game planning and getting ready and what, what will you need? And, you know, for a hunt where you're anticipating not being in just the comforts of a base camp, you really have to put, you know, like the work, you know, write it down on paper and plan out and figure out what you're going to need. Um, and I think one of the most tedious jobs for me on this trip specifically was preparing food. I mean, I, um, so I broke down everybody's, uh, calorie needs for the day based on what I, what I expected to be our, you know, our workload. And, um, I think it was great. We, we had, you know, the right amount of food, if not just a tiny bit more. And, um, yep. Everybody being three of us, there's three of us. It was myself, you and our buddy Joe. Yeah. And, uh, none of us are lightweights. We're all go-getters and we burn a lot of calories i'm i'm a lightweight you're a lightweight yeah, yeah. i'm a lightweight yeah um, <laughs> so yeah you know we had multiple lists there was more than one food list there's more than one gear list there's more than one backup gear list there's more than one first aid list there was you know vehicle list there was lists oh, yeah. to make sure the lists were covered and lists for lists know, and backup right. lists yeah. and yeah fail safes and yeah that was uh but to be honest with you you know i think one of the most important parts is is that is the fuel right yeah you got to be fueled and and you had it dialed and it was awesome and i think i remember making a couple different videos from base camp one at ten thousand feet sitting on the side of a mountain after chasing two bulls and going oh my yeah. gosh thank god that i can open my pack and go this is what i have for the rest of the day i know now after you know day three or four into that hunt that um the timing of each one of the meals and yeah it's great you know what's funny too is because i planned like adequate calories for everybody we had plenty of food but there were always those moments because your workload was so heavy that you're like i want to eat everything in my bag for <laughs> yeah. the day you know so yeah. it really puts into perspective how we can tend to overconsume when really our calorie needs and what we need to take you know for the the energy we put out 
yeah. isn't always what we feel or think in our head, you know? I had to so. ration almonds. I found that was the one thing. I wanted to eat all the almonds at once, and so I had to stay away from them until at least early afternoon, and then start to slowly just have a handful, and then Ziploc that bag, put it yep, back in my pack. Yeah, exactly. That was the, exactly. One of the biggest struggles for me, but... Um, go over some of the stuff that, that you put together and some of the uh, pre-made stuff that, that you ordered. And, oh gosh, let me see great. if I can remember all of it. Um, I did dehydrate, um, a bunch of meats. I did some ham, um, which I will put a disclaimer out there was a little bit more fatty. So you don't want to have the fat in, you know, the food that you're dehydrating. So something a little bit more lean would have been good on that. Um, I also did chicken. Um, did jalapenos. I did some vegetables, um, some fruit, and I actually made a banana powder, which turned out to be one of my favorite things that I did. I dehydrated, I think, six bunches of bananas. And then at the end, I ended up um, putting them into a food processor and I ground them all down so they were really fine. But there, so after that process, there was still some moisture in them. So I laid it on a cookie sheet really flat and I baked it. Um, and baked all of that out of there. So it was just a nice fine powder. Which the and, house smelled so good. Oh, when doing it was, that. It was, was really good. Yeah. And then I made um, some oatmeal, some loaded oatmeals, um, which you could just cut the top open, put in some hot water, and it'd be ready to go. So you didn't have to dirty up a, mm-hmm. a, a bowl Another or anything. Favorite. So that was nice. Yeah. Put some cinnamon in that, some MCT um, powder, which is great to have that immediate energy in the morning. Um see what else did I do I did some um, chicken noodle soup that I dehydrated some chicken and veggies some ham bacon yeah that stuff ham, almost ham didn't... bacon potato soup that yeah. I mean I was like I would eat this like at home like I was I actually while I was boiling my water I took one full spoon out of it out of the bag dry and ate it and was like, oh, I could eat this all day. I could just be on the trail <laughs> and I could just be scooping this into my mouth. It was so oh, good. But, only used the you know, you know, truth be told, potato bacon soup is one of my all time favorites. So yeah. it wouldn't matter. And that was that was one of the best that I'd ever had, you know, way back in the woods. So, yeah. So we also brought F-bombs, um, almonds, walnuts. I did a, a trail mix where I actually put in some dark chocolate and I... Here's a really solid tip for anybody who's preparing meals for a group. Make yours first (laughs) so that when the rations get down really low, you got some chocolate because I definitely got gypped on the chocolate. She's talking about the chocolate covered almonds. Yeah, Yeah. for sure. But a trail mix. um, And you can never put too many of those in. Yeah. Right. Really Let's good. just be honest. You know what I got actually was um, I get that backcountry fuel box mm-hmm. to the house, which is really great because I'm kind of weird with trying new things. I mean, you know this, but if I like something, I'm like, oh, I'm going to stick to that. I'm only ever going to order that, get that, buy that, whatever, because I know I like it. Mm-hmm. So trying new things for me is not my strong suit. So getting the backcountry fuel boxes is great because they'll put in a whole bunch of different samples of like bars, powders, dehydrated meals, backcountry, like backcountry specific. And, um, so you can try them out. And then most of the time they'll actually put in a coupon code with each one of those samples. So they're like, Oh, you like the Heather's choice, whatever, whatever. Here's, you know, X amount percent yeah. off when you order. So it's just, yeah. it's really cool. 
So um, some of it's good and some of it's not. And some of it you go, I'm so glad well, I tried this yeah. and I didn't order a box of them. Right. You know, whatever. Yeah, exactly. Um. So yeah, that was kind of the food part. But yeah, then diving into it, we ended up leaving here at 11 o'clock at night. Which so was... being super excited about it, the plan was that yeah. Joe's going to come down, who lives in the Vancouver, Washington area. He was going to come down that night, see his family who were in Eugene, and then drive out to the country to our house. And we were going to pack the vehicle until about 11 tops, hopefully. More like 9.45 we said nine. would have yeah. been great. Yeah. Um, sleep till say, 3. Sleep till 3 and get up and pound it out. You know, get there probably mid to late afternoon. It's a 12-hour, 13-hour 13 drive. and a half is what it and, um And then, you know, set up camp. Have a lazy evening and then get up and scout our butts off the next day, the 29th, and then 30th, it's game time. Well, Joe got here, and we were pretty far in front of the curve, um, other than having to basically unpack his entire truck and then and help him yeah. repack it. Um, and we said, you know what? And I can't remember how many times. Courtney was still kind of getting her gear together in the house and, and getting some food stuff done. And she'd come out and she'd go, should we leave tonight? And I'm like, yes. I was so freaking Should we just excited. go? Let's just go. Should we just go? Let's just pack our stuff. Yeah, so at 11 o'clock, we're pulling out of here. And I mean, none of us were even remotely tired. We were like, I mean, we could have pushed the truck. Oh, it was, yeah. it was, yeah, we were all pretty much living on, you know, cloud nine. Just yep. we're like, man, they're going to be bulls everywhere. They're going to walk in front of us. They're going to, you know, just fall on our arrow. Yeah. <laughs> but no, it was, yeah. it was great. We so. had a full day, hundred miles an hour, getting our stuff ready, checking, double checking. Like I said, lists on top of lists. And, um, I think we had scheduled 12 days away, 10 days hunting, 12 days, 12 I think it was like 14, 14 and 12 hunting. Okay. So, uh. So imagine, you know, getting ready to take off and um, knowing that you've got 13 hours worth of driving in front of you and we didn't care. So we jumped in the truck, took off. Yeah. And got on the road and got it done. And I think our first stop was La Pine. Yeah. Oh, so in, this is a total just random squirrel moment. But in La Pine. Yeah, it was La Pine. No, it wasn't La Pine. It was maybe it was La Pine. Anyway, we'll say it was. There's a truck stop there. And in the truck stop, you know how they have like those claw games? <laughs> well, they have like a grown-up version of a claw game. It's an adult and claw game. One of the things that they had in there, which I don't even remember anything else, was a rangefinder, like a loophole rangefinder. And I was like, get your dollars, guys. We are winning a new rangefinder. I actually Googled it while Joe was trying to win it. And it was 280 bucks retail. Yeah. And I was like, are you kidding me? I mean, nobody won it. And, yeah, because it's know, impossible. It was a small it. investment, maybe. So they're, Ten bucks or something. Yeah, so they're hanging. It's a dollar per play. They're hanging on these strings. He's like, I don't know, a kite string or something. Yeah. And there's like five or six of them. And they're hanging on this kite string, and this little mechanism comes out, and you can move it towards you or back and to the right or left. And you can pull it out, and there's this little set of scissors. And because I didn't look very closely at where, you just imagine scissors, right? You just buffaloed it. it. I just buffaloed it. Totally buffaloed it. We'll go over what that is at some point. And uh, didn't get the job done. I think Joe spent four or five bucks. I think I only had like three singles. At that point, though, when when you guys were like into it and like almost there, kind of like not quite, I was like, we're never going to get to Idaho. Yeah. Like we're going to, it's going to be like two days later and we're going to be standing here like big old saggy, you know, eyes (laughs) just like glazed over and we're going to still be trying to win this dang. I remember looking at Joe and I was like, hey, you know, if they've got like 20, 21s at the cash register. (laughs) Think of the think of the investment 
to, to win here. You know what I mean? 20 bucks invested in. Oh, okay. We got to move on. on. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. It's so, a bittersweet moment. Those are kind of sweet little, little yeah. things that happen. So yeah, yeah we, we, we won't talk about the other one. We'll, 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 we'll leave that one out. Yeah. The Marriott incident. Uh, some of you may or may not know that. I'll leave it to your imagination if not. Anyways. So. I feel we, like we have to tell that. So. Uh-uh. Okay. Nope. So right. we finally get to uh, this little city in Idaho, kind of where we're moving through and. And we start like seeing these, it's this gorgeous little city. And we started seeing these wildlife crossing signs or watch for elk on the road. And I'm like, you guys, we're still in town. Like best decision ever. You know what I mean? Like we are so jacked up with what's about to happen. And then I, I'm going crazy. And then as we get, start going out of town, I start going like, you know, like this, like putting my head way down and trying to look up to like even see the top of the mountains. And I'm like... Yeah. So, I, I'm like, how fit do you guys feel right now? She, yeah, that's. I remember that being one of the one of the epic first statements of the day was, how fit do you guys feel right now? And then I think Joe said, yeah, well, we're not going to be hiking up stuff like that. And then we get into the spot like an hour later back road to where our base camp is going to be. And we're like, oh, okay, yeah, this is going to be a lot of work. This, yeah. <laughs> Holy crap. So. But, but yeah, that first mountain range that we went through to get back to our spot was, uh, it was basically a, a floor level to skyscraper style mm-hmm. ridge that mm-hmm. just went straight up. I mean, at elevation, you know, yeah, at yeah. elevation. So, yeah. <clears throat> um, you know, probably starting at 7,500 feet or more going up, you know, well past 10 or 12,000 feet. And we're like, oh crap. What do you do? Do you helo something out of there? If you shoot it and it tumbles 3,000 feet down the it's tenderized, you just <laughs> pack it out. So um, Yeah, it was a very real moment where, you know, your fitness plays a huge role. Oh, mass. Especially, I mean, obviously in hunting the Western states and hunting big game and, you know, specifically elk. You know, and we felt all pretty good going into it. But there's definitely a, a specific moment of humility where you go. I hope that I'm ready for this. Yeah, exactly. You know, I hope that once we get back there, all is hunky-dory because this is uh, quite the trek. Mm-hmm. But, so I'm going to turn it back on you. You talk about day one getting there and what was the first exciting moment that happened? Perfect. So I guess my first thought or memory is we're pulling in and we have this long drive without, you know, giving too many details. And it's gorgeous. We're right next to this. It's not really a river. It's more of like a really big stream. But it's Maybe. a river. It's kind of, I guess yeah. it is kind of a river, yeah. Um, and we stopped just to get out of the truck. And we'd been driving so long that Joe drove for a long shift, and then I drove for a long shift, and then... I slept a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> and I actually forgot that. I went... I don't know. I guess it was a... Just being hungry and tired, and we stopped to get our last little bit of food in town. And I thought I was going to pass out in the store. I for- totally forgot about that. And so it was to the point where I was, I just want to be a passenger. I don't want to think about anything. So I wasn't feeling that hot. I had a little bit of food, and then I was right back in the game. And as soon as that happened, we we pull over to just walk down by this river. And I just wanted out of the truck. So we get out of the truck, walk down by the river, and it's gorgeous. I mean, it's just crystal clear it's ice cold it's everything you know you'd imagine in a a mountain river and i look down and there's elk track and then just past the elk track is a fairly large dog track 
And then 30, 40 yards up, I'm like, there's no way. There's a big cat track. I'm like, thought, oh boy, it's oh about to get gosh. real. Oh my gosh, yeah. So I'm like, hey, Court, come down and check this out. And you came down, and we just stared at And I'm like, hey, Joe, come down and check this out. <laughs> <laughs> Couldn't believe it. So that's, that's, you know, when we say, what's the first thing you thought of? Other than going, holy crap, how fit do you guys feel now? <laughs> that was it. Just being down there by the water. And it, we'd waited so long to go, prepared. And, and you know, were what we thought was ready. And it was, that was awesome. What was your first memory? You ready for this one? Yeah. <laughs> so we get to camp. We get base camp all set up. The big tent, you know, the cook area. I mean... Camp is legit. I could live there at this point. It's set up. It was a nice camp. Yeah. Yeah. And I get out the Maven spotter scope and I'm starting to just kind of like glass this basin across from where we are. (laughs) Okay. I know where you're going. And, (laughs) and, uh, I find an antelope buck up there, up in that basin. And we watched him for a little bit and we're kind of just getting ready to walk back over. We were going to go for a drive initially and then got the spotter out and, um, kind of stayed put. So I walk back over towards the the day shade where the cook tent was. And I think you at the same time as me kind of did this like double take, you know, we camped kind of on that river mm-hmm. and on this little creek inlet that came in there. And so there's a bunch of willows and I had walked through there a little bit earlier and it's, it's just, uh, it's very deceiving how big those willows are. They're huge. I mean, if you're looking at it and you're like, oh, you know, that's going to be, you know, maybe to my chest height or something. And you go down there and you're like, it's six feet over my head. They're, yeah. They're eight you know? to 10 feet tall. So yeah. I, I look over there and I just see this, this big round black ish blob. And I do this double take. And I'm like, oh, it's a moose. And I'm like, it's a bear. We decided it was a bear. All three We'd of us were, at it were looking at it at the same time. It was so nuts. what you could see was like the back half of this body with this big old rump, you know, and and long. And we're just looking, just, you know, huge. not glassing it, just looking with our eyes, and then it disappears. And so we all figure. I think we kind of influenced Joe a little bit more, but. We're like, that's a bear. And if that's a bear, that's a freaking giant. That's the bear. Bear. <laughs> that bear runs this entire yeah. mountain. You know, like yeah. that's a big bear. So the guys think, and I don't know if it was Deliria or what, but they decide that they're going to walk down to try to see this bear. Not up close, but closer, you know. I said, Joe, have you ever done any spot and stalk on a bear before? And he goes, no, man, are you crazy? And I was like, well, let's just, we're going to be downwind of him let's just go yeah close and walk down by the water and see what you can see <laughs> so i'm staying up by camp and now I, I bring the spotter over and i'm you know trying to find it i don't see it anymore and you guys are walking down there and before you did i said okay i'll give hand signals like to try to direct you close but not too close you know we're not trying to disturb the bear or anything yeah. but um mind you we're all delirious and exhausted and haven't slept for almost a, a calendar day and a half so i get on my phone to just be like oh my gosh, I can't believe it. There's this giant bear down there. The guys are going to go down and look. And as I'm like taking this like selfie video, you know, of explaining what's going to happen, I just glance over and I'm like, hold on, wait. And I pull my binoculars. She goes, hold on a second. Hold on a second. Wait a minute. Wait a second. Hold on a second. That's one of the funniest videos ever. And we're going to have to post that. Yeah. Wait a second. Hold on a second. And I was like, 
<laughs> I, so I pull on my glass and I'm looking and I'm like, that's a freaking moose. That's a big moose. And I've posted the picture on my, mm-hmm. on my Instagram page and if you want to go see monster, it. Yeah. He, was a, he was a good sized moose. He's all in velvet. Just absolutely gorgeous. I am just enamored with moose. Mm-hmm. They're so beautiful. And so I'm like, oh, okay. I think I'd rather it was a bear with them walking down there than this big bull moose. And so I see you guys, you finally pop out and you're looking at me and I'm giving you like the, like, no, like it's over, like abort mission. Yeah. Like, like hands waving like, out. Like, like universal yeah. sign, like very universal. You guys should have known what I was saying. And you're like, what? Huh? Where? How far? And I was like, no. Waving my arms. And we no. can't hear because we're standing basically on this river. We, cro- we cross the river twice. And we've got 60 yards or so of 10 foot tall willows and this buck brush and all this scrub. And you just, you can't hear anything at all. And yeah. you can't see wherever this giant. But you could technically was. figure out that I was saying no. I mean, we already talked yeah. about that. Anyways. Debatable. So the guys keep pushing on. And I, so I finally stop him again. No, 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 no. And I go, it's a moose. And I'm like trying to like enunciate as much as I can. And I go like this, you know, like big rack on she top. She puts her hands up over her head. And they're like, the and they us. go, oh, there's a big bull over on the other hill. Did we both turn at the exact same time and look over to that ridge and yeah, put our you did. So up? now you're glassing this hill. <laughs> For nothing. Anyways, long story short, I don't know if you guys found out that it wasn't a bear or you finally heard me say moose or no, whatever. No, just came back because Joe was getting pretty nervous. And when when somebody um when somebody gets uncomfortable and nervous, they they have these certain mannerisms and and their pitch of their voice changes a little bit and you can just tell that this isn't super comfortable. So it's like, what's the point? We're here to have fun and to hunt elk. So let's just go back to camp. He, you know, he was not feeling good. We didn't, we had no idea where this bear was, right? That what didn't exist. Yeah. And <laughs> so we walked back yeah. and you're like, there was a moose. I'm like, are you guys like, freaking kidding about? me? Yeah. <laughs> so, and there's no cell phone service for what, an hour basically. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So it's not like. So that's my first memory. Yeah. And I, like I said, I'm pretty much moose obsessed so and you got your fill. What we didn't know was that that would become the camp moose. That Who's bull, the that bull was in camp daily. Yep. I mean, we don't know about the days that we weren't there, but every we're time we're just gonna say that he was. We were because yeah. it makes the story yep. better. Yeah. So we spend the first night in base camp. Yep. And then the next day, we start loading everything up to head out to Bivy Camp. Yep. We packed our stuff. We we did the math on food and supplies, and we said, um, "Let's just go ultra light and hike back and find a spot." You know, there was a, a couple massive basins that we'd been studying on Google Earth and Onyx, and you know, a little bit of uh, encouragement from from biologists, and um, you know, it all made sense. There was food. There was water. There was tons of escape routes. There was topography as much as you want, right? And um, so we hiked back real slow. We kind of got a lay of the land and we got back to this basin and was like, I mean, it's like when you fly into Jurassic Park in the that first movie and you see it all and you're just like, oh my God. Yeah. Anything that wants to live here is going to live here and it's going to be big. So we get back there and we're like, holy cow. Okay, let's just find a place to set up camp. 
you know, somewhere within this two mile stretch from base camp to here, keeping enough buffer so we're not interrupting anything. And that's what we did. Mm -hmm. Well, actually, to back up just a little bit, we walked out there and we're going to hike. So we're going to walk out and then kind of turn and then walk up and kind of go back down the trail, essentially, but up the side of the mountain. And we get out there to do that. And we are literally pinned by two different uh, herds of elk. And then there was, if I remember correctly, two does with fawns to our left. And so we're like, okay, we have to back out. Just we got to back out of here, go back down, find another spot. So we kind of aborted our first mission. Three shooter bulls right off the bat. Three shooter bulls right off the bat. We're like, who wants to go first? Right. Like, I'll just go last. How are we going to wait until tomorrow? Yeah. Like, what do you do? Is it... Like, good luck sleeping. I remember saying, like, hey, have fun sleeping tonight, guys. Like, I'm going to be dreaming about which one of those guys I'm going to shoot, you know? (laughs) Um, So we went back and we set up camp and we we all three took individual tents and just kind of, you know, manned our own stuff. And, um... I'll be the first to admit, I don't love the dark. It's probably my least favorite thing about hunting is, you know, it's just a part of the game. You've got to be in the dark and hike in, hike out, camp, whatever. Um, So I went into that very first night like, okay, this is going to be a growing pain for me, you know, just to be out here. And and it was, I'll tell you what, we had (laughs) critters through our camp (laughs) nonstop. That first night was definitely the worst. All night long. I mean, crunch, crack, tiptoe. I mean, all night long. It did not stop. You could maybe just about fall asleep again. And so 4.30 the next morning rolled around and we were just like. God, can we finally get out of these tents? Yeah, literally. I was like, like, I'm just at 2.30. I thought that I'm just getting up. And I saw, I was like, oh no, it's only 2.30. Okay, I'm going to at least try to relax. Well, what we didn't realize because we had to kind of abort mission, back up, find a place to camp was that. I mean, it wasn't like a we, perfectly lit. We were too close to where we wanted to hunt. Um, and I and I mean that because we were on a travel corridor for those animals, which was also why we had critters in our camp all night long was because we were where they wanted to be traveling yep. down. Um, which we would have no idea because we had no scouting whatsoever. We had yeah. no intel. But it was a huge learning curve for oh, us for sure. to figure that out and yeah. to, um, you know, unfortunately, I think... <clears throat> That kind of led to how things unfolded to some degree. Oh, yeah. But for for me personally, that's definitely the biggest lesson I took away from Idaho was really understanding, not that I didn't know, but where you camp in relation to where those animals are. Not maybe where you're going to hunt, but right. where but the where animals already from. are. Yeah. yeah, which was the problem that we had no information right. whatsoever. And we, right. couldn't, we couldn't gather that information on a day's notice. Yeah. So we went back, we, we did what we could. Um, you know, like I said, we, we went back and scouted. We had no plans exactly where to, where to camp. Cause we were going to sort that out once we did the two mile hike back, got our stuff and then came back. And, um, you know, we, we came back, we decided to set up camp somewhat. And then it was like, oh, let's just go out and take one more look. And that's when we were covered up in animals and it's like, holy crap, we need to back out of here right now. So these guys are here in the morning yeah. and then set up. So we're setting up, you know, and it's a, a little bit dark. And anyway, getting past that, we we wake up the next morning. We get up. That's what we do because we were basically <laughs> awake the whole time. I'm surprised that I didn't even have elk ste- stepping on my tent, to be honest with you. We wake up and 
It is, uh, 40, what? It's like low 40s, mid to high 30s, something like that. It wasn't super the first, cold. The first couple days, it was pretty decent. Yeah, it was really decent. Um, 4.30 in the morning, I'm ready to go. It's my favorite part of hunting is getting up and getting out in the dark and getting moving and, you know, um, getting to lay of the land. And we didn't really hear much the first morning. Um, we got out to a spot where we thought was safe wind wise and where we could glass and we were tucked in. You, you wouldn't see us, you know, and, uh, we kind of hunkered down there and my next memory, it also involves a moose. Um, but I, I've always prided myself on being quiet, stealthy, and I try to pay attention to what I do. And obviously we all make noise from time to time, but I was like, I'm going to go around this, this big draw and there's a... It's still dark. Another, yeah, it's, it's, it's dark for sure. So I'm not going to take my, my bow or my pistol or anything like that. And um, The pistol thing, I don't get. I understand the bow, but... Yeah, I don't know. It just, you know... Yeah. I guess we didn't realize what kind of, exactly what kind of country we were in, you know, until down the road. But so anyway, I go around the corner, which is several hundred yards. And I just want to see up this, see if I can see or hear anything up because this basin kind of makes this huge dog leg to the right and there's so much timber that you wouldn't hear anything up there anyway so i split off and they're still at the same spot and i get up around the corner kind of looking and listening up and you know it's seven eight nine hundred yards up towards the top of this and uh i just i'm kind of standing there and i'm looking straight off to me and uh I just notice, and I've got my bino harness on, and I just kind of notice this. Uh, you get this sixth sense that of something else, some other energy, and so I'm kind of tracing from the ground, which is this outline of this uh, this drain coming down from the mountains, and there's just there's something there. You can tell there is. There's something there. I don't really know what it is. Just make sure it's not a bear or you know anything else. And so I grab my binos real slow, and it's about ten yards in front of me, twelve yards tops. And I remember grabbing my glass out of my bio harness and I tilted them up from the ground and I see what looks like like legs or like um like a like a like a pole barn pole about ten feet from each other and I kinda follow it up, I follow it up and it tapers up and it's all of a sudden it's this giant leg in this back that's six and a half feet in the air. And so I kind of go, Oh my god, what is that? And as I finally get glass on him, it's this huge moose. And all I can see is breath coming out of his nose. These two big exhaust pipes. And I'm like, and he's staring right at me. And I can only see it because the, I have to say my mavens gather so much light in the morning and at night that I could tell it was a moose. Pull him down, I couldn't tell what it was. And I'm like, oh my God, it's like the scary guy under your bed. When you look, he's there, but if you don't look, he's not there. So I... Brought my glass back up again, and I looked, and he's still staring at me. And I mean, I could. I looked at myself. I said, if I fell over twice, I would be at his feet. So it's got to be 12 or 15 feet away. Tops, I'm going to back out of here. Well, I took a step back, and I tripped over a log, and I almost fell, but I caught myself. So I'm still sitting here waiting for the sun to come up, kind of in my spot where I can, I know I'll have a good view of everything. And when you left to go look at whatever you were going to go look or listen to, I couldn't hear you. You know, you you were stealthy. You came back like tripping, falling, breaking branches, breathing hard. You crouched down beside me and you go, do you hear 
how I'm breathing right now. And I'm like, uh, yeah, how could I not? I also uh, heard you like fall over yourself all the way over here. And he's like, there's a big moose over there. Like a freaking big moose right there. And I was just like. It startled me. Oh it's, my gosh. I feel like I can prepare and, and get along with anything, no matter what the scenario is, good or bad. But something about being startled, not being prepared. It was basically like seeing a billboard out in the back country that shouldn't oh, yeah, be there. They're huge. I mean it was anyway. So that's so then it starts that day. Out. Starts getting light and he's over there just coughing up his cud and it just sounds like I'm like, there's a dinosaur over there. Cause he's only 45, 50 oh, yards from us. Yeah. So he's like just right in front of us, but in the willows. And he's just coughing and coughing. I'm like, I hope he keeps that cough over there because that is yeah. that's, like a, a that's a big animal. Yeah, Nine hundred pound bulldozer that's like backfiring yeah. it yeah. was really loud yeah. yeah and he did that he was there all morning all morning long he yeah. just kind of nothing moves slower than a moose i'll tell you what i was super bored with him after five or six days there because you're like man moose would be so much fun to hunt but they're just they're kind of boring to me until we saw them every day and then it's like oh there's the moose and, and i have a him. pretty good moose story actually yeah. yeah. right i have a pretty good one we might have to make this podcast it's gonna have to be two, pe- two, two parts pieces for sure because yeah. we're not super short-winded but... so later later that morning we decide okay the wind is good based on what we saw last night before we went back to camp and and kind of hunker down for the night the animals are feeding here they're coming from here and i'm sure we haven't smelled this place up yet, and hopefully they're going to continue that pattern. And so we sat there and sat on glass, and then they started funneling in. They started doing their thing, and it was exciting. And uh, me, of course, I wanted to tuck around and go to that same basin that I was trying to to listen to in glass that morning before I stumbled over the moose. Um <laughs> I said, you know what? And I had heads up decoy. I had Miss September with me. And so I was like, I'm going to go put her to work. I'll come back and let you guys know what happened. So I went around the corner and I think I bugled a couple times. And uh, there was a faint bugle up the hill and there was a big bugle up the hill. And I was like, holy cow. So up the hill being, you know, a 10 or 15 minute walk. And uh, to get kind of the top, the, the bottom fifth of it. So there's a big meadow, and I decided the the wind's still blowing straight down the hill, so anything up that I can see or glass won't catch me whatsoever. And I can also glass the opposing ridge, because once you get down there, it all funnels out to the path that we brought in, so it should be good. I'm sitting there, sitting there, sitting there, and I can just barely see you guys way down there, your size of ants. And uh, you get that sixth sense again, and I think this happened to us, all of us, several times on this trip, but... Something is like, turn around. So to preface this, I had, I've got this like three foot pole that I can stick on the bottom of that heads up decoy. And so I put it down the back of my pants. So as I was sitting there, I've got the decoy covering up my profile and it's anything from above me. All they're going to see is what looks like a a bedded cow. Mm -hmm. That was the plan. So um, I didn't hear anything. I had only you know, I had this feeling to turn around. So I turn around, and when I did, about 140 yards away is the biggest bull I had ever seen in my life. So um, I I froze for a second because I couldn't believe that I was seeing 
what what I was seeing. I couldn't believe it. Mm-hmm. And um, so I basically was thinking, well, if he doesn't see me or hear me or smell me, I'm good to go. So I'm just going to make a couple of cow calls, real light, just, you know, here I am, mew, mew, mew. Um, all's well, no words, you don't smell me. And so he isn't affected whatsoever, turns and feeds up into this timber, and I get on the radio to you guys immediately, and I'm like, holy cow. There's something going on up here, and, we, and uh, you know, Courtney was shooter, first day shooter. Courtney, you're going to be shooter first day. And so then there's this tiny little thing that happens in your mind. So Courtney's my hunting partner. We hunt together all the time. She's very unselfish. I consider myself to be very unselfish. Um, we have a goal of feeding our family and ourselves. Mm-hmm. Um, and our family loves gaming. When I saw that bull and I thought of what day it was, for a second I was like, oh, man. Of course oh. you're shooter. Of course you're shooter. I find the biggest bull I've ever seen in my life. No joke. I mean, I've never seen an animal like this before. And uh, I thought, it's going to take three of us two or three trips apiece to get this thing off the mountain. Let's go get him. Let's go kill him. So you guys end up coming up. We meet up. And right about that time, it takes a long time to get up there, the thermals start to change a little bit. So now we're in trouble. Yeah. Well, that was Joe and I's first, like, you know, like really putting the elevation to the test. Because we had hiked in there and whatnot. But starting to walk up the side of that basin he and i instantly were looking at each other like i hope you're dying too because <laughs> if not there's something wrong with me yeah. you know so yeah it took us a little bit to get up there but by the time we did every single one of us knew we had to back out come you know just change up the approach completely otherwise we'd never catch up with them and that's yeah. what we did we yep. i was really proud that we man sometimes especially on big game like that it's really hard to go, oh, but they're like right there. It's only 140 But yards. you know there's no chance to get on that animal unless you go 90% more out of your way and come yep. up from a different angle. Yeah, because you're never going to have another swing at them. And that was, that was a lot of our trip. We would make a plan in, you know, disclaimer, I have not hunted basins like that before. I've never hunted a huge basin like that. Not like that. And so that, you know, thermals are one thing, but the winds that depending on what elevation you're at in that basin and what features are around you, that wind is going to switch in a snap of a finger. And it's not your friend and it doesn't care about how much you want to succeed or where you're going or how long you've worked on that animal. So yeah, yeah. that's going to be a reoccurring theme uh, along this, this story. So yeah, so we backed out, we went back down to bivy camp. So the other part about the bivy was that it was on like a three degree incline. It was miserable. Um, I was basically piled up on the side of my tent the whole time. And I know that Courtney and Joe were the, the same, but that was our option for that evening. And so we decided to go with it. Um, we ended up backing out and going back to Bivy Camp, kind of packing our stuff up. And we had thought the day before that we want to go up on this ridge line and just be up at the top so we can glass a little bit more, so we can bugle down into this basin and see if we can do some locating. So, um, you know, who knows? Not not to over-exaggerate our, our packs or anything, but, you know, they were all north of 70 pounds easily. I mean, I know for sure because I grabbed yours and carried it for a little bit and that thing was heavy and it was, um, 
unfortunately is a little bit smaller pack than what you really needed to be super efficient out there. So the way that we had to load it was, um, was unfortunate. It was very unforgiving. (laughs) I mean, so it was the, the 22 mag, which is an absolutely great pack, but for, for me, who's not an experienced backcountry hunter and consolidating everything I needed to take, um, as kind of the, you know, probably part of the problem, it was just too small for what I needed. Yeah. Um, so anytime I would move or, you know, cause we're going up on that gnarly terrain, it would want to pull me, you know, which became very taxing. And, um, it was horribly steep. I mean, looking back at it now, I would never, unless I, the only option I had was to pack an animal out of that. I would never choose to hike or climb that with anything other than body weight. I mean, I had to come back down. So what ended up happening was we we throw our packs on. Joe brought his rifles, 30-06 back there because we've all got wolf tags too. And the other part of this whole bringing the rifle, which, God, the thing had to have been 12 or 15 pounds. It was huge. Um, Idaho has 92 packs of wolves, according to Fish and Game. 92 of them. For a non-resident to buy a wolf tag, it's $31.50. You can get five of them at a time. So we're thinking, <laughs> let's put some wolves on the deck, right? We'll just, we'll bring our rifles and maybe we'll even have just a solo day of just wolf hunting. We'll be so tagged out oh, that man. we'll just go wolf hunting. We'll just go wolf hunting. I had so, that thought. Yeah, that was a huge wasted um, effort and, and mindset because it was basically just how much extra weight can you carry in your pack mm-hmm. flopping around. So um, we decided to go up this this horrible avalanche shoot everything was avalanche shoots because it's so steep right off the bat corny gets stung by a a yellow jacket or a hornet or it looked like a cessna actually with a stinger on it. and it flew up my shorts i don't hunt in shorts but i was wearing them because i knew that this hike was going to be pretty hefty and i didn't want to stink up my only camel that i brought out there flew up my shorts and literally stung me on my hip incision from my surgery I was like, seriously? <laughs> I mean, it was right off the bat. And we knew it was going to suck. It was pretty freaking hot that yeah. day. And we weren't in great spirits because nobody slept the night before. Yeah. You know what, though? It's it's those kind of challenges. And I hate to sound like cliche or whatever, but it's like that experience, which I would say was probably my least favorite on the trip, that really kind of brought the whole thing back around. You know, because there were so many elements and experiences and memories from that trip that were like priceless like i wouldn't have changed that for anything yeah but i had in walking up on that mountain i had probably one of the very few moments where i had tapped out i was so you know i was at this point taking steps losing ground sliding back down i couldn't get a hold of anything i mean we're crawling I'm, I'm crawling, hands and knees. I mean, I'm crawling yeah. with this pack on my back. I'm not afraid of the challenge, but I was, I was done. I was so, um, I was frustrated, but I was more than anything. I was like physically tapped out. I'm like, I do not want to do this anymore. This is the dumbest thing ever, you know? And so I can, uh, it's very humbling. Not that I think I'm anything special, 
or not that I, I think my fitness is that great, but it's very humbling to reach the point with anything where you go, wow, this is the line, like right here on the other side of that means I can't anymore. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it was, um, <clears throat> it was an experience. It was, it ended up getting pretty dangerous. And I, I remember getting to a spot where, um, you know, not to pump the brakes or blow this, this part of it up too much, but you're not even supposed to be there. Right. With your hip, with, you know, surgeries and with all the stuff that's gone down. Um, so we're trying to take it at a a certain pace. I say we, I am trying to set the pace because if Courtney sets the pace, it's that know, day, unmanageable. That day was actually my four month um, anniversary for my hip surgery. Wow. Yeah. yeah. So we decided to go, you know, flirt with 10,000 feet. It probably third or fourth steepest hill I think I've maybe ever climbed with a heavy pack. Mm-hmm. I mean, ever. Yeah, with, yeah easily. It was for sure. horrible. So we, you know, we get up to this spot where now there's this weather coming in and it's unpredictable. It is, uh, it's storm cloud looking, it's cold wind, and then it stops and it clears up a little bit. And then it's cold driving the wind. wind. Yeah. The it was brutal. We're standing on top of just this scree slope, just. And we're actually scrambling up this mountain across from a herd of elk cows. So we look back every now and then and we're like, you know, we'll censor this part out. But you can imagine some of the words we were dropping. Are you kidding me? What are we doing this for? Mm-hmm. And then I keep thinking of that bull. That's on Exactly. The other side. Because we had a game plan for that bull. And I want to make a disclaimer here. Like, we are not horn hunters. We yeah. are, we've never been. I mean, and I'm not dogging anybody that is because we all hunt for different reasons. We were there for meat. But day one, opening morning having a herd of cows and calves in front of us and also knowing that there's tons of bulls around here. Big bulls. Definitely made us decide that leaving that herd of cows and calves to pursue a mature bull was, was the important factor. Yeah. Like, heck yeah, man. So, I mean, it's the pinnacle of hunting elk. It at, really the same, is. at the same time. I also don't think you should, I mean, there's the, the saying, don't pass up on the first day what you would gladly shoot on the last <laughs> yeah. day. You know, so there's yeah. some irony in it for sure. But yep. yeah, without a doubt. And so, you know, without beating this horse to death, it was, I think, one of, if not the only dangerous time that we had. I mean, it was once, so we get up to the spot and all of a sudden. I don't know. I had a moment on day three. I'm going to tell. It's rock slide. And, um, it is, uh, it's now getting to the point where it's a, it's a, it's a five to two or five to three ratio. So for every five steps, you lose two or three, Mm -hmm. no matter what, no matter Mm -hmm. what you're doing, what you have. Um, I had taken the rifle from Joe, um, because I felt like I had a lot more time you know, packing weight and training because he's just been so busy. And I remember getting up to a point where I was like, man, I would just want to take the barrel of this gun and use it to dig into the ground to help me, <laughs> you know, get up this hill a little bit farther. So I looked back and I said, you know what? I'm going to just leapfrog my pack as high as I can, as fast as I can get up 200 yards or 100 yards or whatever. And I'm going to come back and grab yours. And whether you need it or not, just to, Let's just get up here. And so I took my pack up and I got to the spot where I couldn't go back down with my pack on. And I couldn't find the safest way for three people to go back up. 
because I knew that as I would go up through this rock field, I'm going to disturb a lot of it. And so what, what is, what's there going to be to step on or drive yourself up with? So I get up to a spot, I find this tree, I get my pack off, I grab my trekking poles and I look down and it's so steep that all I can see is the top of you guys' heads. And I remember taking a picture and going, why are you wasting time taking a picture? You need to get back down there. It's the weather's coming in bad. And I'm like, there's no way that my mind's eye is going to remember this perfectly unless I take a picture. So I take the picture, I put my phone in my pocket and I start walking down and I'm sliding 10 to 12 feet every time, but it's controlled, which is nice because there's these little rocks that pop up and that mm-hmm. stops your slide. So I find a way to slide back down to them. And it's getting to the point where if we weren't so far up, we would turn around and, and test being able to make it down that route. I hate to say it's easier going up because it was absolutely miserable the whole time, but I think it was safer going up that side and then going down the side that we did. So we all get to this spot. Joe breaks off to the right, and he disappears in this giant bowl. Uh, this, this avalanche shoot kind of split into two parts once you get up to a certain elevation of towards 9,000 feet. And he went off to the right. And I think we both panicked a little bit because it's, he's very capable, but now you've got the, the team is split, and we don't have the visual on him anymore. And so that, that made me a little nervous. And then, boop, he pops up over mm-hmm. to the top, big old smile, you know, regular old Joe Williams smile on his face. And you're like, oh, everything's good. Um, we get to a point where it's like, all right, there's three more false summits or two more false summits, you can tell. And you can just, you know, we, we rely and live by Onyx Maps. So Topple Map pulls it up, crushes your dreams. Yeah. Because you like, can look oh, at it okay. and you're like, oh, there's the top. Couple map. Uh, no, it's gone. Yeah. So what are we gonna do now? So we decided we. Courtney was the uh, the mountain goat. She was the the test dummy, and she went body weight across this rock field, and actually went right across it. Yeah. And I was shocked because that that thing was it was dooming and glooming me the whole time. How am I gonna get this giant freaking pack and myself across, and then come back and get my pack? And do the same thing. And how's Joe going to do it? You and Joe go right over. And I'm like, all right, perfect. Well, I've got your pack on my back still. We get over to a spot where it doesn't matter where you go. It's really, really steep. And it's going to take a long time to get down. So we decide this is the safest spot. We're just going to go back down, recollect our thoughts, figure it out. We'll find a break somewhere. And we'll just hunt our way back down off this mountain. So we did. Um, unfortunately, I had to drop your pack with you and then go all the way back to get mine. And then that's when the show started. It wasn't that it was that far either. It was literally just down that little valley. But it's so funny because distance is so relative when you're in that kind of topography. You know, it's not like, it's like, yeah, it's 200 yards. But that 200 yards is like painstakingly slow, you know? So, yeah, we ended up deciding to hunt our way down. Um, Joe and I kind of split off. I, I hate downhills any time. I would much rather go up personally. Um, so I was just trying to find a groove where I could kind of slide a little bit as I came down. And um, I'm like looking, you know, trying to figure out what was in front of me. And there was this little bench. And so we kind of walk down through it and we're just like, there's elk trails everywhere. We're not really into rubs in this specific area, but we, we get there eventually. And then we happen across these elk beds. I'm like, 
Perfect. You know, this is, and now like looking at it, you know, as a whole, those elk beds are likely where your bull was moving from and going up a little going bit up higher. To the timber. Yep. Had to have been. Yep. So, I mean, they were pretty recently used. So we um, scooted through there, came back down, um, got back down to uh, a place to baby camp, and we set up another one down below in the basin, um, which was it was a great camp. Um, spent the night there. Right next to the drain. It was woke nice. up the next morning. It was great because we had fresh water and... Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Woke up the next morning for, this would be day two. two. Um, and is this the day that Joe slept in? Yeah. Yep. You and I got up. So Stephen and I get up. Um, we hike out. Well, I can't say hike out. We, we're not extremely far, but we get out to where we're going to hunt in the morning and watch the sun come up you know we don't see anything we're kind of restless want to move around it's sometimes it's hard to just sit in one in one spot especially with so much country because you feel like but i could be finding something else and we're movers too that's the other thing some people are really lazy hunters and not not to call anybody out or anything but we're the type that uh, i don't know how many times i've heard courtney say and i don't know how many times i've said what's over that yeah what's there where there you know you know where the, the elk technically should be and are going to be and need to be and during what part of the day and that's a long ways away but so what it's just yeah. relative right yeah so we're we're moving up the kind of uh west side of this basin north excuse me southwest side of this basin and we're going to kind of loop around and uh explore this this new area where we had seen elk feeding um two nights before that and we get up there we start getting to elk sign and lots of rubs i think we let out a locator don't think that we heard anything mm-hmm. back that morning. Um, and so we start kind of making our way up to this west facing where they had been feeding a lot. Um, so we walk over, we get through this timber. I mean, there's sign everywhere. It's a good spot. Um, and we we think we hear something. Like, I'm like, man, I did you hear that? I feel like I for sure heard a, a, a snap. And so we're kind of holed up and we're listening and I'm like, I'm pretty sure I can hear something. So between us and whatever this noise is, is a, is a timber patch. That's probably, I want to say a hundred yards wide. Mm-hmm. Um, and we had, you know, we, we suspect, and we, I think we saw at one point elk moving from that to feed out. Um, so you start walking through that kind of on the upper end of it. And, or I guess we were in the middle of that timber patch anyways. Um, and we're listening and we're going pretty quiet. And I see as we're just about to the edge of this timber to where it opens up to the shale rock. And then just past that on the same uh, level, same elevation is an area that they feed. And I see these big old freaking white tines of this elk standing there. And this is across a rock field that's yeah. probably a thousand feet from top to bottom. I mean, it comes from yeah. one of the most. Um, attention demanding peaks of mm-hmm. all the way around there. I mean, I think yeah. it was almost 11,000 feet to the yeah, top it of that. And, it, and it, it's a rock field that comes all the way down. So it's not like you just run out there. Some of the boulders are the size of basketball. Some of them are dust, mm-hmm. right? But they're, they're all very random. And even the elk, when you watch them walk across there, they, they almost walk like they're injured because they're walking so carefully. I've noticed first three cows, or there's two cows in a, and a spike that we saw that the first night come across there, um, 
Ice was like, they're all injured. They're limping. It's like, <laughs> no, that stuff is so unsteady. Yeah. Yeah. So we get almost to the edge of that. I see his big time stand up, you know, in there. And, and I'm like, bull. There's a big bull. So I knock an arrow. Steven, I, you couldn't hear me for some reason. Maybe I was just talking really quiet. But you're like, there's an elk. There's a bull. There's, you know, I'm like, don't move. Because he was facing us and he couldn't see us. But um, and I was, never saw him, he was so. facing us. And so we get out to the edge of this timber and right next to that, you know, there's pretty much almost immediately starts this, this scree face. And so I'm like, oh man, between us, like he's 124 yards. I range him 124 yards. Obviously I'm not going to take that shot. So we got to get a little closer. So I get up to the edge of this, these rocks and I'm like, you have to be aggressive. I kept saying in my head, I wasn't even that jacked up. I was just kind of unsure. Do I let him feed out this way? He's hidden other than, you know, most, mostly his rack. Do I get as close as I can and then hope he feeds out? You know, I was just like, this, and we this deliberation. Like, yeah. So it was like game plan had, firing on all cylinders. Wind was good. So I'm like, be aggressive. Court, you have to be aggressive. You've just got to take this one and go. So I start my way over the the, the rocks, and they're so unsteady. They're so, so unstable. I get pretty, you know, a, a decent amount before that one shifts and it clinks. And I'm like, oh, crap. Okay, well, I know he can't see me because now there's this little patch of timber right between us, and I'm behind it. So I know he can't see anything, but chances are he probably heard me. But I'm not going to let it stop me. So I quietly make my way the rest of the way to kind of this midpoint, like this little timber island right there. And so I'm over there. I'm not seeing him anymore, but I don't hear anything else. If he busted out, I probably would have heard something because where he was was pretty thick and everything else was rocks. And so I get over there. I creep over. I'm now 30 yards from where I ranged him. 30 yards. I'm close. I'm ready. My arrow's knocked. My release is attached. And I'm just ready for, you know, any movement or anything I can hear to where I'm like, okay, he's coming. I'm going to come to full draw. And I'd come up about 40 yards above her to make any kind of distraction that I can whatsoever to call a couple times, anything yeah. to get, because you're going to kill this bull. In my mind, yeah. I've never even seen him, but from the look on your face, the sound of your voice and how dialed it you were into that 20 yards of patch in the middle, mm-hmm. I was like, Oh, she knows exactly where he is. So yeah. I'm just going to break away and do what I can. So I'm here. standing there. There's some Jack pines behind me and there's kind of some cover over here in front of me. I've got this perfect laying just perfect i'm like freaking this is going down like i hope someone's watching because this is gonna be cool you know i'm so ready i'm so confident i'm not shaky i'm just like ready and all of a sudden this big old brown moose head pops out right in front of me 30 yards away (laughs) staring me down right so i have my bow in front of me He's 30 yards right there. I mean, I'm looking at his just crazy looking eyes. He's staring right at me. I can see him breathing. And I'm like, okay, now I'm a little more excited than I, than I was a minute ago. Stand still. So I'm standing here still. I'm like, I haven't moved a muscle. Just waiting for him to move off or pin those ears. And then I run, right? Yeah. And so he stands there for, I don't know. It felt like 20 seconds. It might've been 15. I mean, it, it was a pretty decent amount of time. And finally he turned his head and moved off. And I was like, well, what just happened? 
Like I was stalking a bull. I saw the bull. I saw his antlers. I saw his head. That was a that was a moose. I'm like, <laughs> maybe I need more sleep. I don't know what's going on. Well, as I'm sitting here, like just baffled at what just happened and, and grateful that that bull didn't want to run me down. I hear you cow call up ahead of me. And then as soon as you cow call, this bull screams. And I'm like, what? And I look over. Well, I didn't know because I couldn't see, but the bull I was after crossed in front of you or a third bull. We're not, we're not sure. Yeah, we think it was the third bull. We think it was the third one because the one I saw was bright white and the one that you saw was dark. And wasn't quite as big as and the one. It wasn't quite as big. Yeah. So this bull crosses up in front of you. Well, at that same time, I look up the basin, probably from this guy that ran in front of you, probably another 500 yards. And there is a... I'm like, oh my God, are you kidding me? This bull, and I don't get like, I don't care about score. You can tell when a bull's big, but I was like, oh my, that, his gut, I, like I instantly named him the gut dragger. Like his belly was so big and he let out this just like guttural, just. It was gnarly. It was this <laughs> giant bugle and he puts his head, you know, his head all out, his, extends his neck and his antlers. I remember just looking and like, they're literally almost to the back of his butt. Yeah, he was absolutely massive. You could one, you could tell by his bugle, and some people will say you can't, but every giant bull that I've seen and actually watched them bugle, you can tell the difference in class of that animal. And he yeah. was one of those buglers. He was monstrous. So I stood there for probably 10 minutes, eight to ten minutes, going, okay, did the bull I was after spook? Is he still here? That moose didn't even, I mean, he just, he's still right there feeding. And let's, let's also say this. So you were arguably inside of 50 yards from that elk, from the bull elk, right? Oh, I have yeah. to, I have to yeah. call it an elk because there's two bulls in front yeah. of you, which I still can't get. <laughs> so there's this big, and we're pretty sure it was the same moose that had been. Yeah. yeah. They don't really travel that far if they're like, not pushed, yeah, which like I didn't moose. know until... We saw them every single day. I think we ended up seeing six total. Right? Nine. But we'll, nine. We'll get to that down the, down the road here. Um, you've got two bulls. We also, skipping forward just for the story, three or four different times we saw this bull moose within yards of elk, within oh, yeah. yards Feed, of deer. Feeding with cows and yeah, yeah mule with deer. Does and, and yeah. With does and whatever. So um, you've got a bull elk and a bull moose, both mature. Standing in front of you within 50 yards. That yeah. moose was 30 yards. Yeah. And you're so excited. And I remember you looking up at me and you're, you want to say, there's a freaking moose there. Yeah. If my eyes could tell you anything, they would have. Yeah. And but at I, that same time, that other bull started busting up the hill. So I sprinted up after him. So I, I kind of left you. Yeah. But I remember standing there looking up to the top of this peak and going, and not not the peak because it kind of splits off, not the peak, you know, the, the rock peak, but over here in the timber and going... I have to go up there. It was a long ways to the base I'm like, of that saddle. I'm staring at it and I'm thinking about it. And I'm like, there is no way that I can walk down this mountain right now without first going up there after that bull. Yeah. And I didn't even know where you were. I had, I had located you a couple times because you had made some cow calls, but I was like going for it. And I started making my way. And I mean, there, were, as I got, you know, up to that resting point when we met up, 
there were times I was taking like 10 steps at a time and going, yep. okay. Oh, me too. Exactly. And yeah. when I heard you cow call, I called right back. And then the second time I heard you do it was a couple minutes later and you were closer. And I was like, yes, she's coming up. Cause I wasn't going to come back down. Mm-hmm. I'd followed that bull up there far enough. And was like, there's no way I'm going to, I'm going up to that saddle, yeah. which you're, which you're speaking of. And so when I heard you cow call, I was so stoked. I was mm-hmm. like, here we go. Mm-hmm. We're going to go. So I was, re- I was really excited that you were coming up as well. So, yeah. um, anyway, we're going to call this one the end of part one. We're at about 50 minutes so far. Um, I think it's a good stopping point. This might even be a three-parter. Who knows? There's it's, there's yeah. a lot to this to this story. Yeah. So anyway, uh, part one. We're gonna we're gonna wrap it up before we we get up to the saddle because there's there's a lot more um, yeah. exciting yeah, and fun for and sure. Hopefully we can remember it all. But um, anyway, thanks for tuning in for this one. We're gonna we're gonna call it here and then we're gonna jump back in and tell you guys the. Uh, the, the rest of the story, which Heck is yeah. going to be really fun. So. Yep. That's right. Make sure you leave a review. And if you haven't already subscribed to Archery Maniacs, you should get on it. It's just doesn't, you know, it doesn't really take long. And when I first started listening to podcasts, um, you know, and, and it was our friend, Brian Call, doing the Gritty Bowman podcast, basically asking, hey, man, would you get on and subscribe? And, and, and it's like, yeah, sure, I'll do that. And then I never did. Why didn't I ever do that? Until, you know, for like a year later. And I felt so bad because it takes no effort. That's you know right. what I was always worried about uh, is ha- subscribing and then having them automatically download and like eat up a bunch of space. Yeah. But they actually won't. I think they'll only download like four. Yep. Yeah, they'll only put four in there. That. Yeah. And so, yeah. yeah. Anyways. Anyways. <laughs> like, like and subscribe. Leave it. Leave leave some feedback. Leave a review. You know, we we feel like we live exciting lives and we try to get out and do stuff and we've got all kinds of stuff to talk about. But man, if there's something you guys want to hear about, if you've... You know, if you're tired of finding certain dead ends or whatever, which we've got a lot of those to share from this this hunt as well. Um, tips, tricks, anything, um, suggestions, jokes, let us know about it. You know, give us some feedback because we'd love to hear from you. Anyway, where can you find us? Uh, you can find us online, our website, elevationfitnesstraining.com uh, or on Instagram. Uh, same thing, elevationfitnesstraining.com. And uh, where can they find you? Same thing. Um, Instagram is huntfit underscore 08. And Courtney is at her outdoor journey. And um, Stephen Don, Courtney Levesque, and Elevation Fitness Training on Facebook. And we'll be back pretty soon. That's like right. next Wednesday. That's so right. We'll talk to you soon. We'll be talking more hunting. Peace out. Thank you for tuning in to the show. It means a lot to us. But seriously, though, I really appreciate your ear, and it would mean the world to me if you would rate our podcast. If you didn't like it, one star it, but if you did, a five is even better. Don't forget to comment, like, share, and hit that subscribe button. Thanks again for tuning into the show. Some other podcasts that you should definitely check out are Eastman Elevated with Bride and Barney. And Hunt Harvest Health with Ryan and Hillary Lampers. And a special thanks to Maven Optics, Six Sight Gear, Dark Energy Tech, Shield Mountain Outdoors, The Outdoor Insiders, Iron Mind Hunting, Valkyrie Archery, and Gannett Ridge Sporting Equipment.